Derek Eric DeSobe here. Excited to be joined by Uriel Barum is here, a 2019 NLC Denver fellow. Excited to catch up with him, making his Zag podcast debut. A lot to talk about, a lot to hear what he's working on. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Yeah, I feel like uh, NLC Denver, interesting chapter. Being in Colorado, interesting place too, because it's progressive, maybe in the city sense, but maybe not the state sense. What would you want people to know about uh, Denver and Colorado as a progressive place? Great. Hey, uh, Eric, thanks for having me on the Zag. It's a real pleasure to debut with you. I uh, love what you're doing here. I haven't had a chance to check out a couple episodes, but that's a, that's a great question. So I was a fellow in 2019 in the Denver chapter, and you're absolutely right. Denver as a city is a very progressive place. Uh, if you en encapsulate Boulder, the metropolitan area, you have a blue dot, a blue sea, and um, and a state that's mostly red. Um, but you know that's flipping. Uh, in 2018, we saw every single Democrat statewide win their election, first time that that has ever happened across our state. And you know that started uh, a couple of decades ago with the shift to more progressive politics. So I'm, I'm hopeful that some of the, some of the urban politics, some of the, some of the progressive politics that we're seeing in Denver and Boulder are starting to, to transcend uh, our, across our entire state. So be on the lookout. I think <laughs> that uh, I, I'm not sure that, you know, this is, this is far fetched, but I'm not sure that a Republican uh, statewide is going to have an easy time winning in our state. You know, I think one of the things that's true Maybe more so true because I'm out here in Los Angeles and, and I hear a lot of people leave L.A. or leave California and head head east and end up in, in Colorado. I'm not sure there's the same enthusiasm for, for Californians as they're uh, slowly taking over your, your state. But in terms <laughs> of what's driving a lot of that interest or growth, is it is it a, a tech sector thing? Is it something else? Is it marijuana related? What do you feel like is the the, the big draw that's bringing so many people to to the, Den to the Denver area and to Colorado? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good question that uh, I feel like a lot of Denverites get a lot. And you're absolutely right. There is an influx of young professionals, young folks that are just moving to Denver uh, in in waves. And I think that has to do with a couple of reasons. Uh, definitely the job opportunities here. Uh, the three main sectors, I believe, are uh, healthcare, software, and oil and gas, uh, you know, so a lot of opportunity for young folks that are recent graduates that are looking for high-paying jobs uh, to come to a place that's beautiful. Uh, it's filled with outdoor activities and and winter sports and great weather, great food, great breweries. So you know, frankly, it's a it's a very pleasant place to live. While also a very still inexpensive, relatively. A lot of people are gonna get mad at me for saying that, um, but it's it's definitely on the rise. Um, you know, it comes with unintended consequences with a lot of folks being uh, priced out and a lot of gentrification in, in areas where uh, it had been historically bl black and brown, uh, especially in, in inner city Denver. Um, so I think, like I mentioned, a couple of those reasons are leading to a large growth of young professionals moving into the city. And then a lot of your work is with campaigns, with initiatives. Tell folks a little bit about the organization that you co-founded and what kind of work you all do. Yeah, of course. So I am a co-founder at Effect.org, and we're a mission-based digital agency. Uh, we focus on solving some of the hardest issues that our society faces, um, and I could boil it down to three. Uh, education, solving educational inequities, 
addressing climate change and addressing lack of voter access. And we've worked uh, across various different projects with various different partners to address those issues. Uh, so like you mentioned, we're in the political space. So that means we work with either political candidates or ballot measure initiatives at the city and state level that are looking to pass some sort of measure that will solve these issues, uh, nonprofit or advocacy organizations that are doing this type of work already, or private companies with the social bend. And we essentially handle all of their digital initiatives. So lead generation, content creation, website design, tracking, anything that you can think of when it comes to reaching folks on the internet, Effect.org would be able to help you with. And then in terms of some of the things you're most proud of that you've accomplished, you know, what kind of things really stand out to you? Yeah, of course. So definitely in the education space, we have started actually building out a business line. Uh, we call it Effect Education. And that is essentially helping uh, charter networks and schools that are going into these neighborhoods such as, you know, Five Points Denver. Um, or some parts of Houston where there are children who are mostly black and brown, low income, who have very little access to high quality education. And these schools are literally coming in and trying to change the game for these students and, and actually become the great equalizer for them. And we have actually have started helping them with their enrollment efforts by utilizing our digital competencies to drive essentially qualified leads to them. So finding parents and guardians with these children who may have not have a reason or a way to find out about these schools and essentially channel them directly into the school's enrollment funnel. And then from there, uh, you know, the school's enrollment team has the ability to move them along and then eventually turn them into an enrolled student. So that's one project that um, I'm very proud of that we're we're working on. We're working with about seven to eight schools across the country at this point for this enrollment season. Uh, so really looking forward to see what we can do there because that, you know, inevitably it's going to lead to so many of our black and brown kids who wouldn't have an opportunity to be educated at a very high level. Um, and then another thing that I'm also very proud of, and that's something that we did in 2020, uh, was a voter access initiative. Uh, so we led vote by mail digital campaigns across three different states in the 2020 election uh, with the central goal being to give access to unrepresented Democrats uh, the ability to vote by mail so they could you know, hopefully vote for Joe Biden. Uh, we worked with some nonpartisan organizations that were doing voter access work. So it was, it was a little tricky, but definitely on the effect side, we wanted to make sure that we got as many voters to turn out to vote in the 2020 election so we could defeat Donald Trump. And we worked in Nebraska, we worked in Florida, and we worked in Michigan. And we saw that our initiative, uh, our efforts uh, helped lead to so many folks who may have missed the election in 2016 uh, be, for a variety of reasons, mostly because there's a lot of disenfranchisement in some of the states that I mentioned. And we made sure that we were giving those folks a second alternative to actually turn out to vote, which was offering them the universal vote by mail initiative that some of these other states like Colorado and Utah offer. Yeah, I definitely want to talk more about the voter stuff when we come back. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of The Zag. Stay tuned. Yeah, on this issue of voter access and, and vote by mail, I feel like there's usually a couple waves following an election of takeaways, right? So you have like the initial burst of, well, the outcomes meant these things, and then 
a month, two months, three months later, when people can actually kind of dig into how the data actually played out, there's a new set of <clears throat> learnings for people to to try to implement for the next election cycle. Uh, you know, we're we're a fair amount away, almost mm -hmm. half a year now away from from November of last year. What kind of takeaways and and data trends did you see from from the twenty 20 election uh, when it comes to how people were outreached to and what was effective, how people uh, voting patterns, um, you know, may be translatable to the next election cycle since COVID hopefully won't be around. What kind of things are driving the work that you're, you and your team are doing right now? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point because one of the things that we had trouble with was demystifying a lot of information. There's so many things that lead folks to believe uh, maybe false information or things that aren't quite true, but are true in some other places. So I think the land understanding the landscape of vote by mail is vastly important for folks that are wanting to utilize that tool as a method to increase voter engagement. Uh, because if you look at the United States right now, um, it's not universal, obviously. You know, there are five or so states, Colorado being one of them that have a universal vote by mail, which means that every single registered voter in the state will automatically get mailed a vote by mail ballot three weeks before the election that they have at their convenience to fill out and turn in by election day. And then you have the rest of the United States split up between no, no excuse vote by mail and excuse needed vote by mail. And even in the no excuse needed states, which is about half of the United States, uh, you know, states like Florida, states like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, some, you know, the very important swing states, um, the Republican legislators still make it very hard for folks to access that opportunity by doing things like you need to physically download an application to apply for a vote by mail ballot before you even get the ballot. And it's a very archaic, you know, Secretary of State website to do that. So the access is so hard that it just creates an intrinsic barrier for folks. So one of the things that we wanted to do was to make it as easy as possible for folks to have access to this. So we actually partnered with the uh, with a nonprofit that created a tech platform. Uh, it's called VoteByMail.io, um, and that essentially made it where within two minutes, folks can go online, put their information in. And they they had an algorithm with all these databases from secretary of states across these no excuse vote by mail states. And uh, within two minutes, they were able to apply for a vote by mail ballot. Um, you know, and this was game changing. This was very innovative for the 2020 election, because, like I mentioned, depending on what state you're in, uh, there's going to be a lot of barriers that are just kind of intrinsic in the processes. So we tried to do our best to get that application in front of as many people as possible using, you know, direct Facebook ads, text messaging campaigns, anything that you could possibly think of when it comes to actual campaigning uh, or outreach, I should say, uh, to get that in front. And I think the lesson here is if there's there are folks out there, organizations out there that want to utilize these sort of tools to get the voter turnout out, you have to start early. You have to really try to get in front of people as soon as possible with the correct information right up front, because as we saw, it's so easy to confuse an early ballot with a vote by mail ballot, with the fraudulent ballot, with all these different buzzwords. Right. And then all of a sudden you have people being like, I don't trust anything. I'm going to wait till Election Day. And then you have lines like you see in Georgia or we saw in Wisconsin of people waiting for hours 
to vote, um, which makes it inequitable and not easy accessible. In terms of advice you would give to people if they want to follow the, the work that your org is doing or if they want to get involved or reach out to you, what's the best way for them to make contact with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm happy to speak with whoever is looking to get engaged in, in the work that we do or needs help with, uh, with any sort of project that they have. And uh, I'm easily found at effect.org, E-F-F-C-T. So it's effect spelt without the second E. And my email address is Uriel, U-R-I-E-L at effect.org. And I'm happy to have any conversation with anyone across the NLC network or anyone else that's looking to get involved. Sounds great. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. We'll put that info into the description for this episode. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to catch all our episodes, all the places where you get your podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, they're all there. And make sure to follow us on Instagram as well. Relatively new page there, the Zag Podcast, growing in size and stature. Check it out there and stay tuned for more episodes dropping soon. Until next time, we will catch you soon.